Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. It is another off season, at least off fantasy season podcast, but that's not going to stop me, Liz Loza, or that guy over there, Matt Harmon, or that guy over there, Dalton Del Don, from talking about football with a little fantasy extra added in. Um, the coaching carousel continues to turn. I am going to resist talking about Adam Gase since we mentioned him despite not talking about his crazy eyes because they hadn't happened yet last week. Officially, Greg Williams is now the D.C. Should we start taking bets on the press conferences now or should we wait until like, oh, May? Well, I'm personally rooting for um, the man that I found out is my actual real father, Greg oh, Williams, right. to win the power struggle uh, in in New York when it eventually does happen. I mean, talk about two combustible personalities there in Adam Gase and Greg Williams. But hypothetically, let's just say. The unthinkable happens, and these two don't butt heads, and all things go well. They aren't completely triggered and manipulated by the New York media? Right, yeah. That all things just go smoothly. It's a really nice hire because one thing that Adam Gase could never get right in Miami was the defense. They consistently were very, very poor on that side of the ball while also being pretty, as he said, sacrificing statistics for wins in Miami. Uh, They were always pretty bland and and lowly ranked on offense, uh, but they were also very, very poor on defense. So hypothetically, say this all works out. It's a nice hire because Greg Williams, my father, is a proven defensive mind, at least in some way. Sure. I I mean, I think that what could possibly go wrong? No, it's not going to go right. right. (laughs) Um, But you mentioned Miami, so let's get to one of the newer coaching hires. Dalton, I'll ask your opinion about this first. Brian Flores, young guy from Brooklyn, went to BC, spent all of his career thus far with the Patriots, the AFC East completely into each other. He is now the HC for the Dolphins. Any thoughts about this? I'm stuck on the Adam Gase thing, him looking at the taco with his eyes. That still is and Tacos crazy. are delicious. It, it, it really is crazy. I, I do not have any insight or any crazy thing to say about Brian Flores to, to Miami. Um, maybe do either of you? I don't have anything insightful I think whatsoever. Sorry. the most interesting thing is that he, given his lack of experience, shall we say, has brought in or decided to bring in, it looks like, Jim Caldwell, not to be the OC or the play caller, but to be some sort of, like, advisor on offense. Well, we should say, yeah, neither of these next, this or the next guy we're going to talk about, neither of them are official because both of their teams are still in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, But Flores is well thought of. I think he was a 
pretty good candidate for the Cardinals job last year before it inevitably went to the now, you know, gone uh, Steve Wilkes. So Flores is well thought of. Will he be a Patriots assistant that bucks the trend? We'll see. Matt Patricia left the nest last year, did not go well uh, in Detroit. But, I mean, it's a rough – we talked about this a couple podcasts ago. I think this is a horrible situation for any coach to walk into. you got a meddling owner. Um, you got a front office that's, again, in transition. You have a roster that's really poor. A city of distractions, too. Like, let's be yeah. real. If you're a young guy going to Miami, there are things that you can get into trouble doing there. Yeah. There's no quarterback. Yeah, no, no quarterback. quarterback. Nothing nothing much at all to build on. on well, offense. and that's why Caldwell's coming in, right? Like, And Caldwell, I feel like, is one of those offensive minds that's really hard to fairly judge because was his success a product of Peyton Manning um, being under center and the previous regime in Indianapolis? Uh, but then you see what he did in his season with the Ravens, um, and he made Joe Flacco look good in theory, but then he couldn't ever get a run game going in Detroit, and he handed him the minute that Matt Stafford started looking good. Jim Bob Cooter was in charge of the offense. So I feel like I at least whether or not Caldwell has been proven, uh, some of them, the masses may disagree. There's a lot of debate over it. I, I do like that Flores is thinking ahead and understanding his potential limitations. And he does have some pieces on the defense. Xavier Howard's good. Kiko Alonso like shows up every four games. Kiko Alonso's the worst, but uh, that's a personal (laughs) opinion. That has nothing to do with his play necessarily. on It's a little bit of both, but Caldwell actually has, a, I feel like, has a little bit more shine on him f- during his year away from football because this was a relatively fringe playoff team uh, in Detroit when he left it, and yeah. then Patricia just tanked it. So I think whether it's fair or not, like you're saying, Caldwell has a little bit more shine on him now than he did probably a year ago. Just this from time. absence. Just from being gone right. and the team that he ceded to a new coach is was way worse uh, when in his year away. I think the thing I'm most looking forward to seeing in Miami or I'm most interested, not looking forward to it. We'll see what happens, but <laughs> I want to see what happens with that backfield because Caldwell has always had trouble getting a run game going, at least in Detroit, right? So, and this is, uh, you know, Dalton, we, you have talked um, ad nauseum about your frustrations with this backfield and how Adam Gase, you know, refused to lean on the younger pieces there. So I think that for me, from fan from a fantasy perspective, is the position I'm most interested in seeing develop in Miami. Yeah. By the way, why do they even move on from Damian Williams, who looks really good? I mean, they went to a 35 year old mm. Frank Gore. I mean, forget even the Drake situation, man. They had another great player right under their nose as well. They let they let just leave. Wasn't Damian Williams like a tiptoer? Wasn't that the like knock against him? Was that he like wouldn't he wouldn't put his foot fully into the earth and he like tiptoed? There were a few knocks on him. I mean, I think, but you've. I guess you could give Gase credit in hindsight because if we all, you know, think back to this last about year. About CJ Anderson right now? No, no, no. Oh. I, I'm, I'm not thinking about CJ okay. Anderson. When, again, all these random backs that are popping up, there's a little bit of connection to Adam Gase with everybody. Yeah. How, what, how, what a time. But when Jay Ajayi was traded, everybody immediately thought, oh, this is Kenyon Drake's time. And it wasn't because the guy who actually was out there splitting time with him was Damian yep. Williams. And it took Damian Williams getting hurt for Kenyon Drake to get the nod. And it's just, this is, this is one of my frustrations with the running back position because it's like a year ago this time, Damian, well, like a year and a half ago this time, Damian Williams is a guy that we're like, ah, get this, get this joker out of the way so mm-hmm. that this young, talented back in Kenyon Drake can. So true. 
can take the bus home. Now here, when he's on the Chiefs, now it's like, well, man, where, how high are we drafting Kenyon? I mean, uh, Damian Williams next year. Right, right. So that's just, this is the running back position, man. I, I don't know. So true. So true. I'm like, you better not see that carcass Spencer Ware out there at all. It's so true, though. I mean, CJ and CJ Anderson, another guy like he's this is his third damn team this year. I mean, I guess he's fresh because he didn't do anything in Carolina. It's just weird. It's a fun. It's a fun little weird position. The running back position is indeed. So we mentioned CJ Anderson currently on the Rams. The quarterback's coach there is Zach Taylor. It's not official, but it is assumed he will become the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals because the, as you said, Matt, anyone who's had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay gets an HC or OC position. Uh, Trend is continuing in Ohio. Yeah. Zach Taylor, by the way, Z-A-C, not Z-A- C-H, because if you type that into Google, you get the former president, Zachary Taylor, who talked about a cup of coffee. He was only in office for a little bit. Um, there's your history lesson of the day, kids. Um, anyways, Liz, he's he's president a long time ago. Anyway, Zach Taylor, 2017, was the Rams assistant wide receiver coach. Now, this year was the quarterback's coach. That's, again, another one of these meteoric rises for somebody within the Sean McVay coaching tree. Um, I don't I don't really have a take here. It's a big change from Cincinnati going from Marvin Lewis finally to someone else. Uh, I, I don't really know how to feel about this. Um, Cincinnati's another team that might start over at the quarterback position, has a lot of questions to answer going into the offseason. All I know personally is just I read, I think it was Jay Glazer's report, and it kind of had me fired up for this hiring, but uh, I have no insight either. But it, it seemed like an inspiring hiring, and at least like outside of the normal cocoon, you know, of the coaching. So at least that's different for Cincinnati. So it certainly could be worse. It is off-brand, but it isn't off-trend. No, and it's I not. He's 35 the, years yeah. old. He's, you know, pretty young for uh, for a head coach. By the way, Liz, Zachary Taylor uh, was the 12th president of the United States. He was in office from March 4th, 1849 to July 9th, 1850. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> I don't know why you keep trying to prove this to me. Just You looked a little confused on my Zachary Taylor I, ref. I'm sorry if I'm not like, oh, yeah, Zach Taylor, the former 12th president of the United States. Gosh. Apology accepted. <laughs> Well, Zach Taylor of the Bengals has his work cut out for him. I think we can agree with that. And also, A.J. Green is a giant question mark. So it'll be interesting to see what piece they take, uh, the Bengals take in the draft coming up in April. Um, I'm going to defend DiFilippo here. I, Matt, you didn't like him, John DiFilippo, as much as I did in Minnesota. I think he got totally blocked by Zimmer. I am a decent fan. Now, He is going to Jacksonville, so the problematic thing there is, well, like a run-heavy offense with a loaded defense, he's not going to be able to pass the ball as much as I'm sure he wants, especially when they're going to try to redo what they have under center. Uh, You know, the most obvious connection is that Nick Foles, who he has experience with from 2017 in Philadelphia, will come to Jacksonville and... At least there's a, you know, some pre-existing history there. Yeah, we can talk Foles in our next bullet point a little bit more. But with on this flip hire, uh, Filippo, I mean, yeah, it was an uninspiring first year as a play caller. You're right to defend. You're right. But you're right to defend him a little bit because it seems like him and Zimmer were never on the same page that he might have been a higher 
not run by the head coach, which is always going to fail, especially, by the way, Zimmer's like on my radar anyways, as one of these head coaches that it's like, oh, you want to run to win in the NFL in 2019. When you have Diggs and yeah, Thielen. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I totally agree. Like philosophy for the sake of philosophy is never good. With DeFlippo, though, yeah, yeah, again, this is, I don't know, the Jaguars, though, I mean, who the hell are the Jaguars anymore? Like, what is their identity? Leonard Fournette was supposed to be everything they were built around on offense. Now, they're in the middle of a back and forth over, you know, he just filed a grievance against them for trying to take away all his guaranteed money. money. Well, but doesn't this actually, I'm proud of the Jaguars here. Instead of, like, sticking to the same same old, same old, they're willing to say, like, okay, like, Let's try something new because what we've been doing hasn't been working. So yeah, I mean, they I, interviewed damn Mike McCoy. So Right, and they passed on that. <laughs> yeah. So thank goodness. But, I mean, Dalton, what fantasy pieces here are at least a little intriguing to you? Yeah, it's mainly Fournette, who supposedly did have a, a meeting with Doug Marone, and they're in a quote-unquote really good place now. But obviously that grievance that you mentioned is still hanging over their heads. So it's just, yeah, Fournette is the, is the main piece there because Liz and I we were both super high on the guy. Mm-hmm. and he's, uh, he, he's the main thing here to see what happens. And, and obviously it also comes down to the quarterback position in Jacksonville. I also think that the fact that Filippo has the Tom Coughlin seal of approval also bodes well for him and his future here. And... I think D.D. Westbrook could be a real player next year. Down the stretch last season, at least the last two games of the season, or I'm sorry, uh, three of his last four games, he cleared seven targets and numerous red zone looks. So I I feel like with the right quarterback, Westbrook to me is a legit receiver, and I'd like to see what he can do in a more up-tempo, pass-friendly offense, which I'm hoping Flip has an opportunity to install. Yeah, I mean, it's just... This offense is like a skeleton of what I think it will look like, you know, a few months from now. So it's hard to really say what anything. Well, for when sure. it gets some meat on it, we will definitely pick it apart. Um, moving along to Denver last week, it was being reported and I went on a bit of a, a bit of a, a venting session that Gary Kubiak would become the team's offensive coordinator since Vic Fangio was named the, the team's head coach. That didn't happen. Kubiak is now in Minnesota, in Minnesota with his son. Like an assistant. Right. Not the well, offensive coordinator. Kevin Stefanski is the he's offensive like coordinator. He's like a um, Consigliere. consultant, an offensive consultant. Yeah, yeah. And his uh, his boy, literally his boy, um, <laughs> is the QB's coach there. So instead, Rich Scangarello, the 49ers QB's coach, again, another quarterback's coach, is the Broncos OC. My goodness. Field Yates pointed this out that he's the first coordinator hired this offseason that hasn't previously served as an NFL coordinator. So first time promotion here for Scangarello, uh, who also apparently was the guy who really pushed Nick Mullins as like this. This is a guy we should give an opportunity to. So maybe he has a bit of an eye for the position. You know, it's great. to spend... <laughs> Good luck with Elway. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Have fun. <laughs> Whatever Elway thinks you should do, do the opposite. of. Right. Um, but you're also not going to get your guy through. I, I know. Uh, so this is another Kyle Shanahan attachment. I mean, it, it, it's, it's all happening. Like, I, I'm kind of excited about it because we have some new unknown pieces and there are obvious questions under center for Denver. So great that I, I, I'm actually you guys. I feel like you guys aren't as excited about it, but there are more pieces, more puzzle pieces here. It's more of a mystery. And that is more intriguing to me than like, oh, Okay, Mike McCoy is coming to town. Oh, okay. Sure. Um, Anything's more intriguing than that. Is a, is a Schottenheimer yeah. offense. Congratulations. Well, what's going to happen? 
I'm with you on the unknown. And this guy, I mean, Nick Mullins, an 8.3 YPA out of nowhere. And, and Kyle Shanahan's been loath to let any assistants leave at San Francisco. So this could be a sneaky hire. Who knows how much credit, you know, it, it was at all Kyle Shanahan in that system. But this could be a sneaky hire. But I'm with you. Uh, the unknown upside, I'm, I'm always for. I just think that's a roster with so many questions. I mean, what, yeah. what, what, what do we have to really hang our hat on in Denver? Oh, I'm sorry, right Deshaun now? Hamilton. Did I, did I not just spend the last no, like no, two no, months no. listening to Look, you talk about him? Yeah. I mean, he's good. He's their best receiver. If Emmanuel Sanders is not there, um, he's better than Cortland Sutton. Save your ads for somebody else. I mean, Sutton's intriguing too. They have, at, <laughs> they have, they have talented guys in the backfield, but an unstable offensive line and just mega questions at quarterback. Although the whispers are out there that they're already sold on Drew Locke. Uh, oh, that you really? Can lock, that you can lock that in with the Denver Broncos there, but we'll we'll revisit that during draft season. Mm, R.I.P. Paxton Lynch. Let's talk. Paxton about- Lynch got a job today. He, the Seahawks signed him. Oh, congratulations! I think he'd do really well in Seattle, actually. Why? Because they don't want their quarterback to throw. No, because I think he could rock a flannel and be a little alternative. Yeah, yeah. Well, as long as he gets to bring his Xbox with him. <laughs> uh, Dalton, did you watch this weekend's last weekend's games? I did. Yes. What did you think about Alshon Jeffrey's drop in the final two minutes of the uh, Eagles Saints game? Uh, I mean, it's brutal seeing him cry and all that. It's crazy just to think about, too, what the difference would be. I mean, if he makes that catch, I mean, are we talking about where Foles is next year? I mean, to go in and win in Chicago and then win in New Orleans, just the difference in, in sack rate and everything. It's, it's quite crazy how much of a difference it, it, it made. I mean, who knows if they would have gone on and scored more points. But, yeah, I don't know. It was pretty... Uh, Pretty crazy. What did you guys think? Well, I want I want more out of you. Do you think that that drop now has allowed Nick Foles to not be a backup anymore, but actually lead a team? Because if you listen to him talk in pressers, it sounds like he is ready mentally and emotionally to be a QB one. I think Foles is going to get a starting job somewhere after that. I mean, the, I mean, obviously he had the one real nice season and now, you know, a couple playoff runs that have just, I, I would be surprised if one team does not make him, a, I'd be shocked if he's not starting for some team week one. Who knows who it is? I, I'm thinking maybe like, say the Giants, who uh, I think hmm. PFF's latest uh, mock has him drafting Kyler Murray sixth or Dwayne Haskins. And the more I thought about that, I'm like, you know, give these young, these, these QBs a year or two to develop. That's do not teams even do anymore. that? Do they even do that anymore? Exactly. So I don't know. Maybe the aforementioned Denver. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a great landing spot for Foles, if, especially if the Giants are going to go with the, with the QB right away. Because yes, as you said, that really doesn't happen anymore. No, if you're getting drafted in the first round, you're expected to start. Maybe not week one, but mm, by Halloween. Yeah, I mean, it, people don't really sit anymore other than Patrick, the great Patrick Mahomes. Uh, sat most of his first year that's true but i think Foles was always going to leave philly no matter what the contract you're situation probably right. makes yeah it, you're probably right makes it just really hard to have sold the fact that they were going to keep the more expensive quarterback trade the guy that this time la- like this time a year and a half ago is the most value literally the most valuable asset in the nfl is is carson wentz you know coming off of what would have been an mvp season Obviously, Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl, but I think they were always going to say, look, Foles, you're you're a hero here. Go find yourself a starting job, which I think he will. It's, a, it's an interesting sell, though. A lot of most teams feel pretty good about their even if they shouldn't. They feel pretty good that they have their guy under center right now. They're not a ton of options out there for Foles. I think Jacksonville's one. Can they make it work from a salary perspective? Washington is in desperate need of a quarterback because I think they have the worst quarterback situation in the entire NFL with Alex Smith sucking up over $20 million a cap room uh, and he's probably not going to play next year and they don't have a ton of easily cuttable contracts. So Washington's an option, but can they afford to pay him 
I don't know. I'm I hope it works out for Nick Foles because he's been such a great story. But he's always he's a streaky player, anyways, and I, I just don't see a ton of options for him to walk into and have a lot of success. I don't know if he's a great fit in Jacksonville. We talked about Flip being there, but I think he needs like a, a, a typical X receiver, a la Alshon Jeffrey, like a size speed prospect who can win those fifty fifty balls and. I don't see him get like, I don't trust Dante Moncrief to do that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you know? Well, what about, I mean, then the Giants fit would be an interesting one. They have Beckham there. They have a star set of running back. But I mean, again, if the Giants. Oh, it's such a circus there too. Ugh. If the Giants plan is to take a running back second overall, and then the solution a year later to fix the quarterback problem is to pay Nick Foles, you know, top eight quarterback money. I don't love that. What about plan. Cincinnati or Oakland? I don't think Oakland would. I, I don't see is Foles an upgrade on Derek Carr. Maybe I mean, he has a better record. I mean, he has a better record. He's a, more of a quote unquote winner, winner, whatever that means. But he'd be walking into a situation where the one good thing that Oakland could hang their hat on in 2017 was their offensive line. They bring in offensive line coach genius Tom Cable, and he screws the whole thing mm. up. One of the worst offensive lines in the NFL last year. They don't have a ton of weapons there. Going from what's one of the best offensive ecosystems in the NFL in Philadelphia to Oakland or Cincinnati, it's a pretty pretty big change. Or or freaking Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, but now you're now you're starting every game. You're starting every like, game. Welcome to it. You don't yeah. just get to yeah. like win on third downs for the last half of a quarter. I, I I know I, I feel you. I mean, he's going to get a starting job, but I I don't know that I again. I just looking out across the league, I don't see one situation where I'm just ja- real jazzed about it. Just to butt in with one quick Zachary Taylor fact: uh, Zachary Taylor loved cherries, and mm. he in fact ate so many cherries, which have a little bit of cyanide in them. You don't want to eat pounds and pounds of cherries, which Zachary Taylor did on a hot summer day. Had a ton of cherries, a lot of milk, died. In office, just a just a fun historical fact for it's you true. guys. Don't eat too many cherries and milk in the same day. Like he, our long, our dear President Taylor. Yeah, he was he because I get confused because they're around the same era. Him and uh, William Henry Harrison was the one who got pneumonia and died in office. So wait, you think it was the cherries that killed him, and not the probably not homogenized milk, or is it pasteurized? Pasteurized. I just don't think it was a great combination. Reportedly, it was copious amounts of raw fruit and iced milk. It's this is it's what started it. And look, medical care not as great as it is here in 2019. Back in uh, 1850, just really couldn't get him to recover from that illness. And you know, one thing led to another. Uh, here we are. Well, one thing is leading to another, and now it's time for our way too early 2019 position ranks. We're going to start with the quarterbacks. Um, comparing Dalton and I. Pretty similar, except I am higher on Big Ben and more surprisingly, Jimmy G than you, Dalton, the 49ers fan. Sure. Okay. First, Big Ben. It's first time he played 16 games last year since 2014. Going to be 37 years old and possibly without or likely without Antonio Brown. The thinking's just everything went right for his fantasy value this year, including no Lev Bell holdout. So, Obviously, he could have been there. He was a QB3 this year, so coming off a great season. And Jimmy G, sorry, if, you, if you're looking for an argument uh, about ranking Jimmy G, how you came to the wrong person. So I, I just didn't Ooh. want to be considered too much of a homer by ranking him coming off a season in which he didn't play after week three with so many awesome options, but I 
praise you for including him, and I absolutely love it. And 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 you come, can stay, come, come August, come August, you can guarantee I'll be drafting him <laughs> as such. Right. I just think that people forget about Jimmy G, right? Because they're like, oh, here are the quarterbacks. So we got to talk about Sam Darnold and one of your boys, in fact, Josh Allen. Like. I, Dalton, I love you, and it has been confirmed now since you were just very nice to me, but how can you put Josh Allen on your list and not Lamar Jackson? Yeah, well, number one fantasy quarterback over the last six weeks, and that was actually a a flip-flop, and I'm actually going to be totally honest, and I took off Lamar Jackson after watching the playoff game and just seeing how that downside of the passing attack could be. Now, maybe that's overrating just one game, and it was against a good defense, but I thought about it, and Allen has actual receivers that you would use in fantasy, like multiple ones, whereas you would never even consider it in Baltimore, and he has a long ways to go. And Allen, again, number one fantasy QB over the final six weeks, and I think the rushing equity is pretty much similar there, just with higher passing upside. That's why he was drafted higher in the NFL, so that was my thinking there, but I certainly can see the comparison. And you're also higher on Cam than I am. I am a little bit more cautious, not just about the shoulder injury that may or may not need surgery. It would be his second surgery entering his age 30 season. Matt likes to think that this report is hashtag fake news, but I would also add that Thomas Davis isn't going to be with the team next year. Khalil's expected to retire. Julius Peppers may not come back. A lot of foundation pieces from the previous regime are out. And so I think Tepper's doing a very good job of tempering fans' expectations in a transition season. Believe me, fans are not expecting anything Carolina right now simply because the coach and GM are still in place. There nobody nobody has high expectations because of because of that fact alone. And you count me among them. Oh, you're a fan of? Well, I mean, it's a complicated relationship. Um, But I I don't know what to think about the Panthers in this coming season. I mean, especially all these veterans, like it's going to, I don't think Ron Rivera should still be the coach. I don't think Marty Herney should still be the GM at at all, especially the second one. I mean, where where the hell is Marty Herney right now? Nobody's seen him. He's out golfing in Florida somewhere. But this is a team in transition, like you said. And if Cam's not going to be 100% for the entirety of the season, those two guys are probably just going to be fired coming into 2020 anyways. Team in flux. I, I don't think that I, I in in terms of fantasy, I'm still I'm not gonna necessarily stay away from Moore or Curtis Samuel, who still produced with your boy Kyle Allen, admittedly a small sample size under center. Yeah, sure. Talent is talent. I mean, you're the receivers guy, so let's talk receivers and early rankings. You and I um had some not too many differences. Mostly I included Kenny Galladay and Brandon Cooks uh, as my 11 and 12s. Um, and you just threw both Vikings wide receivers on. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't throw both Vikings wide receivers on. Uh, I don't know, because their new OC and head coach doesn't want to throw the ball. That's... And if you look at the trend after Filippo was let go, all Dalvin Cook did was be involved while Thielen drew zero targets. I still think those guys are, I mean, great proven players. I wouldn't be putting damn Kenny Galladay up there. It's target volume. You ever we in fantasy preach volume, volume, volume. I if yeah. I had more, if I had bigger huevos, I would have put Robert Woods ahead of Brandon Cooks. Okay, because I think he's a more versatile, proven, underrated player. But I just feel like if Cooper Cup comes back, Cooks has that ability mm. to take a top off a decent and defense, and statistically will rack up more points, even if he's not as consistent. Yeah, I mean the wide receiver position is pretty static, so the the fringes. The guys here, you know, 11 to tw- or 10 to yeah. 12, this is really the only ones worth arguing. Um, I would bet 
that both Diggs and Thielen out-target Galladay next year. I mean, talk about a team that wants to run the ball. That's all the Lions want to do uh, with old Matty P back there. So I, I, and I That's would, a fair point. I, and both these guys, I think, are way better than Kenny Galladay uh, right oh, now at this God, point. Oh, shut your mouth. Well, come on. Oh. That's not even an argument. Oh, is the, who's, a better, who's the better player? Both Diggs and Thielen I mean, are way better Diggs players. Diggs after than, contact, but I, mm, D- Dalton... You be the voice of reason. Don't worry. You won't make me angry. You're already in my good graces because of the Jimmy G stuff. I do love Kenny G. That's a tough one. I might be biased there, but those are whatever. I, I'd probably say just I'd say Diggs is probably the best of those three. But I you guys are you. both crazy not having Juju in your top 12. The guy's 22 years old. No Antonio Brown, like I said, possibly. I could see me being one of those cr- crazy high on him, like top five or something. So that's my criticism is the no Juju here. I think that's fair criticism, and he was a guy that I thought about over T.Y. Hilton at number 12. I, I just think T.Y. Hilton's so locked in as Andrew Luck's number one. I think that offense will only be better next year. I, I tell you what, man, I don't think like Antonio Brown leaving would be great news for, for Juju overall. I mean, I think he'd probably push for like 180 targets or something like that, which is obviously, as you said, Liz, volume, volume, volume. But I think the Steelers' offense would suck without Antonio Brown. And, and maybe like suck for them you know like 18th best offense in the nfl that's a team if if, where's your james washington love now though i don't know that's a big leap he was terrible as a a rookie he was rough they don't really have many difference makers if antonio brown leaves it's this but if he does and he does as jerry rice says he wants to do and goes to san francisco dalton now how stoked are you for jimmy g yeah, James Washington was benched for Justin Hunter, by the way. And I totally get your point, Matt, that 166 targets last year for Juju. So you can't get too many more than that. And I just said that Ben Roethlisberger's old and may get injured. But yes, <laughs> let's bring it back to the Niners and Jimmy G. I, I like your thinking, Liz, because uh, Antonio Brown, his yards per pass route, whatever, it might have been dropping. But dude, still, what, 31 years old? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm keeping my fingers. They can make a big splash. There's a lot of, you know, have you seen Jerry Rice went on a ro- local radio and said that Antonio Brown ba- badly wants to come to the Bay Area? So, you know, it could happen. I don't know if it's the smartest way to spend your money cap wise, but as a fan, it's hard not to get excited. It'd be such a fun player to root for. Kittle, A.B., Garoppolo, McKinnon. I mean, how sick would that be? It would be very sick. I mean, that's a lot of fun for an offense. Um, I have no idea how this Antonio Brown situation is going to play out. You know, two, three weeks ago, I would have said, like, no way. He will be back with the Steelers. Like, they don't have any other choice. This their window is about to slam shut here in maybe a year. How can they not just run it back with this crew? Because again, I think week seventeen, as much as you know, anonymous sources, and by anonymous sources, it's definitely Ben Roethlisberger uh, <laughs> saying like, "Oh, Antonio Brown being out, that's you know, him his whole antics were a big distraction in week seventeen. That's why the offense got off to a slow start." No, no, no. It's because none of your players can get open if you don't have that type of number one difference-making talent out there as your ex-receiver, it's a huge chasm of of production that would just leave. And I don't see how they replace that. I don't see this, again, I don't see this as being a, a good offense without him, but it really does seem like they might just be so fed up with him that they will ship him out of town. So, Well, we are here for it. 
I guess. You know, as the league turns, baby. I'm and sick of this. I mean, I'm sick of the Steelers. I, I want to just fire the whole team. We've already talked the about it. They need a mom. And <laughs> you may need a financial advisor. We're going to hope to be that for you. We're going to talk a little DFS bargains and fades. I'm going to start at the bargain position. James White at the Chiefs, $19 coming off of a 15 reception game. We are expecting a bit of a shootout here. I think the uh, point total is about 57, depending on where you're looking. So I think uh, using James White in the capacity that <laughs> Tom Brady likes to use him in, and I, you have to imagine that the game plan here for the Chiefs is going to be similarly to what the Chargers tried to install in that D Ford and Justin Houston are going to try to bl- are going to try to get after Brady, scare him. He's healthier coming off of that MCL. He's you know more mobile, more fluid. By no means is he slithery, but um, certainly looks healthier. So I think getting the ball out fast is going to be another priority for Brady, and that means James White is going to thrive as his trusted weapon, one of his most trusted weapons. I like that call a lot, uh, James White. Was great last week. Um, Nineteen bucks. I mean, their pickings are slim here. Yeah, right. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, yeah, I like I like Damian Williams again this week because he's cheap again this week. He's for, also nineteen, for 19 dollars. Right. So yeah, sure. Why not? Um, Dalton, what about you? I like both of those. Special Damian Williams nineteen again. Uh, Robert Woods is what I'll say. Twenty one dollars. Yet PJ Williams in the slot. He's moved there with Cup out. Saints shut down the run. Although Sheldon Rankins is out, but kind of like the matchup there for Woods having to throw a lot in in the dome. Another really cheaper one. Uh, Chris Hogan eleven bucks. Uh, eleven targets two games ago. Faced tough Charger corners last week in a run heavy game. Obviously the number two receiver there with no Josh Gordon. So if you're going really cheap, uh, give me Hogan. You could also look at uh, Philip Dorsett. For twelve dollars, and I only say this because yep. I'm going to get a pub in. I'm going to get a pub in for uh, my Madden preview show with my buddy Franchise on our Twitch page. Go to Twitch and search Halftime with Harmon. You should find it there. Uh, Philip Dorsett scored himself a long touchdown uh, by breaking a uh, Kendall Fuller tackle. Four and zero. I beat Franchise four times previewing Ooh, these playoff congratulations. games. Congratulations! Uh, pretty great. Uh, we had a lot of fun playing the Saints Rams game as well. I put the clip up on my Twitter page of a great redemption story by one Von Bell, safety for the New Orleans Saints, but you'll have to watch it to uh, to see what happened. And that in the business is called a tease. Can we just get a little bit of love for Ted Ginn? He did come yeah. off. He had seven targets last week. I think that the Rams are probably going to put Tlaib on Michael Thomas. Marcus Peters um, is healthier, but still more apt to have focus issues, Um I think he might be a little too hyped for this game. Did so. you see his his little interview clip? Like, we ain't done yet. Gumbo. He's, he's gumbo, a guy. Gumbo. Yeah. Um, By the way, talking about that Madden stream, too. I, we I actually simulated literally the perfect Marcus Peters game. He had two great interceptions for franchise, but also got ran over on the goal right. line by Ben Watson. <laughs> so that's that's <laughs> what I think like Ted Ginn could just, even though he's a little bit older, can just turn on the Jets and smoke Peters once for a big game and a big gain. And he's only 16 bucks. Um, let's talk fades. I was at the Rams Cowboys game. I know a lot of people were talking about all those Dallas fans training facility in Oxnard. They got real quiet, real (laughs) quiet. And it was a real nice America's team. Well, I guess we're making America great again. At least L.A. is. Um, Todd Gurley. 
is $34, the most expensive running back in our daily game. That's bananas because CJ Anderson is cheaper. Also, I got a new nickname for CJ Anderson watching that game. The teapot on wheels make it happen. He was money. I was stunned in the stands watching. It was so fascinating because the defense you know, they'd have to like, it was so crazy seeing like Sean Lee for pieces and Vander Ash and um, Demarcus Lawrence. Like nobody was, CJ Anderson was beating those guys, which was bananas. But you saw like Woods and Cooks out on the field, like like going out wide. And so the defense was trying to compensate for the receiving pieces. And when CJ Anderson was on the field, they weren't threatened by him. And so he was running up the middle. Admittedly, the offensive line did an incredible job. Andrew Whitworth, Whitworth, they clearly got healthy over the bye and did an incredible job of making holes for him. But he created some real spaces for himself. And I think a lot of that had to do, at least in the first half of the game, with the defense not really respecting C.J. Anderson or thinking he could get very far. And so they were compensating for the for the, receipt, the Rams receiving weapons. So regardless, this is all to say Todd Gurley's too expensive at $34. Agreed. C.J. Anderson looks 300 pounds, too, by the way. It's crazy. But uh, Gurley would be my number one fade as well. Um, if I have to go with one, I'll say Tariq Hill, 34 bucks. Ooh. Obviously, he can break a long one. He went nuts during their last meeting, 140 yards, three touchdowns. He's just my prediction, Belichick. It's anecdotal. You know, he tries to stop the opponent's number one thing, number one target. And I think he's going to target uh, Tariq Hill, the most dangerous weapon. He always talks about his speed in the press conference. So if you want to spend your money on Michael Thomas or Hill, I'd lean toward uh, toward Thomas this week and Hill would be my fade. I will say my fade is going to be Mike Tolbert. I, I mean, sorry, CJ Anderson, as you guys are going <laughs> on and on about him. Um, I... I I, don't know I didn't why. say it was starting him. I just I said I wasn't going to pay up for Todd Gurley. I mean, I'm not a psycho. I wouldn't be playing DFS this week, anyways. But I would not if I was. I was not. I'm not going to play CJ Anderson. The teapot on wheels. I'm not going to play the teapot on wheels. I like that. Thanks. Oh, um, uh, you're. you're I'd say you're a psycho not playing DFS on the last weekend of possible action. But I don't maybe know, that's man. It's, yeah, it's just. It's not my bag, man. Why, why don't you like C.J. Anderson? You just don't. You think that was like a one hit wonder that Sean McVay just did a little silly something. And now there's tape. And so the Saints know what to expect. I would think they're not a they're not going to be a big home favorite like they were against the Cowboys. I know Dallas theoretically has a good run defense, but the Saints have a solid front sure. as well. Um, they're banged up. but They're banged up. Definitely. But. Overall, I just expect this to be more of a Todd Gurley show. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a hater. It also um, helped knowing that Dallas's defensive signal, which they supposedly did last week, too. Oh, Dallas was too predictable with something? That's surprising. <laughs> and on that note, we are going to predictably end. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and submit your questions, if you have any, at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That over there is at Dalton Del Don. And uh, the other guy is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We'll be back next week with more Daily Fantasy and Offseason Talk. Can I read one more Zach Taylor quote before oh, we get out of here? please do. Is it about cherries, milk, or a wooden leg or something? So apparently, just to close it out here, as his fever ensued and Taylor's chances of recovery dwindled, on July 8th, Taylor remarked to a medical attendant, I should not be surprised if this were to terminate in my death. I did not expect to encounter what was what has beset me since my elevation to the presidency. God knows I have endeavored to fulfill what I conceive to be an honest duty, but I have been mistaken. My motives have been misconstrued and my feelings most grossly outraged. 
and that's how we should end the podcast.